0: Hi. Welcome to In the Pacha, where I, Sam Reinstein, have a conversations with different educators about the weekly Torah portion. This week for Parsha Dvarim, the first of the book of Dvarim, I have back Margot Bawanek, uh, my sister. Hi, Margot.
1: Hi. Thanks so much for having me back. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah. I mean, originally this idea was for us to do these all, but I knew it was too much. So <laughs> it's great to be able to do it, um, you know, the first book of each book.
1: And of course, the fact that you've been bringing in all of these phenomenal educators has been so interesting and and riveting to listen to. So thank you.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I think it's been turning out really well, um, just having, you know, different different types of people and different uh, kind of, so different perspectives.
1: Totally. Okay.
0: Um, so you've been introduced here before, but you want to introduce yourself very quickly?
1: Sure. Um, so yeah, my name is Margot, and I'm speaking to you now from Israel with our seven-hour time difference. My husband and I are the educators, the OUJLIC educators at IDC in Herzliya, one of the colleges here in Israel. We're helping build the community. We give shirim, and it's the first one here in Israel, but so far, it's been a fantastic experience.
0: Awesome. Um, so I'm going to go straight into the summary. Try and do it in 30 seconds. Usually fail, um, but <laughs> we'll do it anyways. Good luck. Good uh, so- luck. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Moshe begins his long speech in the plains of Moab that will encapsulate virtually all of Dvarim. Dvarim is frequently called Mishnah Torah, second or repeated Torah, where Moshe goes through many of the stories and laws since leaving Egypt. In this portion in particular, Moshe recounts the creation of the court system after it was too much for him, the sending of the spies to the land of Israel and God's punishment that only the next generation would enter the land. Moshe also recounts some more recent events, when Ammon and Moab wouldn't let Israel through their lands, wars with Asikon and Og, the settlement of Reuven, Kana, Chatzim, and Chatzim, Manasha, half of Manasha on the other side of the Jordan, and Moshe choosing his successor, Joshua or Yahushua. Okay, um, and that's just like the beginning of the of, of verm. I mean, throughout the book, we're going to get <laughs> um, a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, that was um, like
1: 43 so, seconds, Sam, but pretty good.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. I'll take it. Um, I hope Irony
1: was not lost on anyone in what just happened that you went over a summary of a summary of what happened and of course it, even in that summary there were there was so much that was lost in translation but right. hopefully hopefully we'll uh, we'll learn a little bit more about that right. now
0: <laughs> we always go meta in the in the pacha you know it's, <laughs> that's the good. goal very yeah. good. Uh, so I'd love to hear specifically what you were thinking when you were, uh, you know, just reading through Parshat Tvarim.
1: Sure. I, you know, even he, in hearing your summary, I loved hearing it because I think that I also, I look at the Parsha with such a different lens. I think when I read through Parshat Tvarim, this closing speech of Moshe, in a way, this dying speech of his his last speech of Moshe Rabbeinu, I can't help but become Somewhat emotional, actually, and, and even just trying to read it through his eyes. You know, I think Moshe is a character who we've really, really gotten to know over the years. <laughs> and I think when you get to know someone this well, you can't help but but love them. You you see their flaws and you see their insecurities. And you see their strengths, and you, and you see we've seen so much about Moshe. Almost every story in the Torah can be read. On the one hand, what happened, and on the other hand, Moshe's response and Moshe's understanding, and and how he must have felt, and what was he thinking? And I think that while reading these stories, I, I keep finding myself asking myself, why is he saying it like this? What what does he mean by that? And of course, that's also something that makes this safer so much different, so different from the other books of the Torah, which are much more either narrative or legalistic in nature. And this one is, of course, a divinely inspired speech, but a speech for Moshe. Um,
0: Right. And I think that's unique. That's very unique for Moshe. You know, like there aren't really other characters that you get such a glimpse. I mean, maybe with like David, maybe you get that type of glimpse just because it's over a couple books. I would, um,
1: I would, yeah, I would agree with you. I think the only character who we see more of is is David, right? Like where right. we have but all of But it's exactly,
0: so, exactly. so um, kind of unfair because you get all of Tehillim. Exactly, exactly. Whatever, so that's kind of
1: But I think it's a good point that we have other times in the Torah where we hear speeches from people. We have a speech from Yaakov, a speech from Paro, a speech from Bilam, but it's different in the way that we really have this full on monologue from Moshe over here and, right. I think that, you know, I've learned a lot about that in life, even just from this week's Parsha, the way that we are often so much more forgiving. Towards people whom we understand, who, the people that we're closer to. It's the reason that a parent will often be so defensive of their child, in a, to like a you know a teacher or to someone who's right. criticizing them, and that's because the parent understands where the child's coming from. The parent understands why the child made the mistake that they made. They even might blame themselves for it because they they've raised them and they've seen why they do what they do. Or to take it to a different level i think we're very often so forgiving of like our best friends and we'll see their side of the story right. and that's because we we understand them whereas other people whom we don't know as well we, we automatically judge them and i think that that's what's happening with moshe over here we just we at this point we've learned so much about him that we we empathize with so much of what, of what he's saying
0: right Because we've like really gotten to know him and we feel like, so because we almost feel like we know him as a person um, in a way that you don't know the other characters, some of the other characters, you can just be like, you know, whatever. Yeah, they did that wrong. They did that wrong. But like, it's harder to do that with Moshe sometimes.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I know Actually, I would even say, I think there were times in my life when I was much more critical of Moshe. And I think that the more you learn about him, you start to realize, yeah, maybe he did make a mistake here. Maybe that wasn't the best way to go about this in terms of his leadership. But we start to, um, rather than be angry with him, we start to empathize with him as a leader, as as a person, rather than just as a leader. Um, I, I think that The reason that I'm bringing this up because we could talk about this really at at any parsha is actually because of the very first pasuk. And for that, I want to jump back to one of the first stories that we hear about Moshe Rabbeinu, right? The, The first, one of the first stories is when Moshe is at the burning bush and there are all these reasons why God is asking him to be this leader and to go on this mission. And he says, no, I don't want to. The, the people aren't going to believe in me. I don't want to do this. And one of his most famous reasons, some would say, excuses that he says are is, Lo No, God, I cannot do this because I am not a man of words. Right. And the Mafarsh and the commentaries are all over this. What does that mean? He's not a man of words, right? What, what, like, what have you heard most famously? What does that mean? He's not a man of words?
0: That he had like a stutter or like he just couldn't, it was it was difficult for him to express himself.
1: Totally, right? I think that's exactly, that's what Rashi says most famously that he that he had a stutter in, in the way that he spoke and therefore he's saying, I can't be this person. Or some say that he just, he wasn't, you know, a man that we imagine a leader. He wasn't charismatic. He didn't have that same rhetoric that we expect leaders to have. And he was saying, that's not me. There are those that say that, you know, he just wasn't, he hadn't spoken Egyptian in so long because he had been living in Midian for so many years, or that even he didn't speak Hebrew so well because he, he hadn't been amongst Israelites in such a long time. And there's so many explanations of what does this mean when he says lo ishtvarim but either way, God does give him solutions. He gives him his brother Aaron, right? His brother Aaron says, he will speak for you. God says to him, but remember, who's the one that lets man speak? God says, I'm going to be with you. We note though that this was one of Moshe's top insecurities, right? And what I think is so unbelievable, and I actually just get emotional when I read the beginning of this week's Torah portion, of this week's Parsha, when the very first verse of this um this this book, one fifth of the mm-hmm. Torah, that is that is a speech by Moshe is we go from Lo Ish Anochi, I am not a man of words, too. Ela had Asher di Moshe al Koli Israel, right? These are the words that Moshe speaks to Israel, right? To the Ish right? To the man of the words, the words who they're so powerful and so great and so evocative and so filled with charisma and rhetoric or, or truth, rather, that that we, it's an an entire book of the Torah is based off of it. And to that, I think if there's anyone who we've grown to love and understand and see both those strengths and those flaws, it's this, 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 Man who we met when he was just a child crying in the Nile River, taken up by the daughter of Paro, who we see him grow into this Na'ar and grow into this Ish and grow into this, this Navi, grow, grow into this leader that till, till today, he's Moshe Rabbeinu. He's, he's the leader that everyone knows of. And specifically, he becomes a man who his greatest weakness, or at least what he saw was his greatest weakness, becomes right. his greatest strength. becomes what he's known for. becomes the person that we quote day in and day out. Um, I, I think that that to me is one of the most inspiring, inspiring things that we hear about Moshe Rabbeinu. that we're That we're able to see him as a person who takes his his greatest weakness and turns it into his greatest strength. I imagine through hard work. Um, right. I think that this idea is something that I also just connect with very strongly. I think that, you know, we all have different insecurities. And it's amazing how, when we have an insecurity, the way that we're able to work on it in order to make it a strength of ours. Even to give an example, um, you could tell me afterwards that this is too personal, but I know that growing up, actually you're probably gonna hate me for saying this, but I know that growing <laughs> up, you always saw yourself as someone that like, wasn't so social. And I remember even like in high school, when I was, you know, a very typical high school girl on the phone for hours at night with my friends. And you would say to me like, I don't understand how you spend so much time on the phone. Like, what are you talking about with this friend that you just spent the whole <laughs> day in school with? And I think, you know, I know you wouldn't say this about yourself, but I would say that you're someone who, because you were so conscious of that and you felt that that was something you wanted to work on, like now you're someone who I think, you know, you're a rabbi. People specifically go to you to speak about their lives. Um, And I'm sorry.
0: Oh my God!
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry to use you as the example on your own podcast, but I just I think it's true, and I think there's something you know also know like seeing that. Not, I, I imagine that people who know you now don't could never imagine that you would say that that was an insecurity of yours in childhood. Um, but I think that it's it's oftentimes. In fact the opposite also when people think they're so open minded those are the most closed minded individuals and people who think wow I think I'm closed minded work on it and become open minded or people who don't think they are in- smart or intellectual are, are the very ones that become the intellectuals of the generation because they work on it and they study and they work hard and they become known as like the you know the voice of reason in different situations and I just right. I, I to me this is one of the most inspiring partial just in that way of seeing the way that are, that this leader has evolved, and taking that for ourselves and saying, like, what are my weaknesses? Perhaps my weaknesses, my, my insecurities from childhood. And have I have I kept them with me my entire life? Am I still insecure about the things I was insecure about when I was in high school? Right? Yeah. Or, or is it something that I've actually managed to turn into a strength? Um, and and yeah, that's just that's something that I that I love about this week's Parsha.
0: Right. And it's it's interesting because I think this idea is like a, there's a little bit of a fight, I think, with the like the, what I would call like the self-help type people. Um, there's, a, I, I see some people saying exactly what you're saying. And then I see some people saying the exact opposite.
1: Wow. What um, do you-
0: like some people saying like, you know, the best way to become your best self is to take the thing you're worst at and make it your strength. Uh-huh right but there's some people that really say the opposite it's like no find what you're good at and just like amplify it like crazy um but i think on some level um i mean perhaps you can you can tell me if you, maybe you're not taking a stand on that what what you're really saying is moshe did both almost right moshe takes his right. um you know like his ability to connect with god that he has from that moment in um in the burning bush, and he amplifies that like crazy by going up, you know, to get the Torah and everything um, and writing the Torah, and he also does this, right? Like, he does right. both at the same time, which is very unique, because I think right. people generally choose one of those two paths. Right. They say, like, I'm not a good social person, so I'm going to work on that, and I'm going to become really good. Um, the classic case of, of that is, like, Jerry Seinfeld, by the way. <laughs> Just uh, They love Seinfeld. But Jerry Seinfeld, if you – um, he talks about it on interviews how he was like, not, he's not like a funny person, where like he wasn't a funny wow. person as a kid. And like he worked at on his jokes to be able to create stand up that was like truly amazing. And like over time, he did exactly what you're talking about, albeit on like a much less important thing. But, but like he did what you're talking about, um, where he yeah. takes something he's not good at and he creates a passion around it. Yeah, but
1: I will say, Sam, I'm I'm hundred percent with you. I think one of the things that's most a shame of our generation, I see it now with my friends who are thinking about what professions they want to go into. When you have a passion for something, you of course you should go for it. And you should when you when you are when you have a strength to figure out how to utilize that and you make that your life path, I think is is hundred percent what we should be doing. So often people say like, Well, I'm amazing at this, but you know, being being amazing at X, but being Y is what I need for a career. And and they end up, you know, doing things with their lives that they... I'm, I'm being very vague, but I, I think you get what I'm saying. I, I'm with you about this and idea not of not
0: following the things that they're good at because of like practical concerns.
1: Exactly. That's I actually, sure. to tell you the truth, I actually find that that's something that um, people in Israel have internalized a bit more, I think, than in America, if, if I'm mm-hmm. allowed to make broad strokes yep. like that. Because sure. in Israel, there it's very much with the startup nation, we have friends who are well you know they love doing makeup and they've turned makeup into a really incredible career in Israel in a way that in America I think because of so many of the um the stereotypes of like what jobs w- were meant to have and what it means to be successful, people wouldn't pursue go- going into makeup as a career um, yeah. and or w- just photography or baking or cooking. And I just, I find that I don't know what it is about. I, I think it does have to do with the startup culture here. I find a lot more people people finding their passions here, whereas the pressures mm-hmm. to, let's say, become a lawyer or an actuary or a more, mm-hmm. more like brand name job. Um, I don't know.
0: <laughs> is actually a brand name job um yes. but yeah under, understood your understood your, your point um yeah I mean for sure I mean I, I find myself lucky um personally that I'm like able to try and do both of those because like um I'm working as an actuary during the week and that's kind of more as you you said brand name but like also get to do you know the thing I really want to do on the weekends and right. what I'm doing right now
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course while I just made that critique of anyone that perhaps didn't follow their passion this that all comes with the humble recognition that life is hard and people are trying everyone's trying to figure it out themselves and there's no one way to live but back to our no back to the back to the
0: story I, here I think some level I think some level that even what you're saying can be true in those circumstances as well meaning uh-huh. like they became a lawyer not necessarily because it's what they wanted out of their life but because they thought it was a but you know like they're they've always been just really good at arguing with people, right? So they're able – or they've been really good at just analyzing things and thinking through things. Or they've been really good at just, like, finding details in large sums of information. You know, like, sometimes, like, it's a large – it can turn into a large part of your job, even if, you know, even if it might not be, like, overall exactly what you're looking for. But you could become great at it because you're doing it – you're focusing on the thing that you're good at. um, Which is, like – yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, I think going back to what you we were saying before, when it co- when it comes to Moshe, if. We were to we were to make it about your point, then we would say that he was had a stutter and look. Now he becomes the best speaker ever. Right. But if we're gonna if we would look deeper, I think what we would be saying is whatever it meant right. He didn't see himself as a man who had like the divar, the the truth, right? And through through that, I think we can say that's something that we can all relate to. That through just being himself, he was right. able to become that man of word. Again, if he had a stutter, he probably still had a stutter. I don't. I don't think he went to physical therapy in the desert, right? Like, I mean, speech therapy in the desert. Um, no. it, it it wasn't about that. It was it was the fact that he became a man who who you want to hear his words. Wh- whether whether he had the stutter or not, whether he was a good speaker or not, these, these are it's the words that's important. It's the truth that's important. Mm-hmm. It's what's underlying the words that's important, and that's that's what's so inspiring about, and that, that's what was able to come out.
0: Interesting. Cool. Um, really good thoughts. Um, I have like a, I have like a different kind of, but related, I think, thought on this, Parsha. Um, I think, as you said, like we get to know Moshe through doing this. But I think part of the way we get to know Moshe through this long speech that he has is frequently just looking at differences between this speech and like he's recounting stories and the way the stories were recounted when they happened. Right. So like so often there are differences and I have a feeling throughout say, for Devarim, throughout this book, we're gonna be doing this a lot, um, comparing and contrasting them. Um so I'd like to just do an example of that. Um because I think it shows like kind of almost some level some level like what Moshe is trying to do here, um what what the point of this book is, like why is Moshe recounting this to begin with. Um so the book the story I wanted to focus on, the one that's in this Parsha is the a, is a story of the spies um, because Moshe really recounts it very differently. I mean, he recounts it very quickly in like six pesukim um, in chapter one, verse twenty-two through twenty-eight. Um, but it happens very quick. But like he points out very different things that that happened bef- than the way we said it before. Um, yes. If you were to categorize the sin of the spies, who would you blame? Like, who would you say like messed up?
1: the spies 100%. the spies
0: right spies oh my gosh why they come back with a bad report they screwed everything up they messed it up but moshe really does not have that that focus i'll totally. give two example two things right so first at the beginning of of it right though in shlach when we learn about the spies it's shlach lachan god tells moshe send for yourself spies here the it's very different and and this is just a translation. And you all approached me saying, "Let us send men before us." Right? Moshe has a completely different thing. Like it's not God telling Moshe, "Send, send spies." It's B'nai Israel coming to Moshe. Then Moshe goes to God and says, "Can can we do this that they asked me for?" It's like he adds in that story, that part of the story beforehand. Right? On some level, it's the people that are at fault. That's one 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 thing, and then two, in the spies' report in Shlach, it's, they say good stuff, and then they it's a land of milk and honey, and then they switch. But the people who live there are fierce, and it's fortified, and they're huge, and everything's scary. In our parsha, the spies just say, the land's good. It's great. But then, and they murmured in their tents and said, he brought us here only to lose. Why are we going up? Our brothers have meant it. To- are melted our hearts saying the people are greater and taller than we.
1: Exactly. Right? like
0: They, yeah, go ahead. No,
1: it's one thing to add in certain details when you're recounting something from a different historical perspective. It's another thing when there are direct contradictions in the text from what happened in one sefer in one book to what happened in the next.
0: Right. I think in this particular circumstance, I don't think there are clear contradictions because it could just be like their parts of the story are missing, right? So like part of the story, part of the story that's missing beforehand is the, is the earlier part where the people go to Moshe and say, let's send spies, and then Moshe asks God and God tells him, right? Those first two parts are missing, um, but Moshe relates them here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that happens a lot too, the contradictions. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just weird. Like, why is there such a, the contradiction here is in focus, Right. The focus there was very much about like the circumstances and how it all fell apart. Here, it's all about the Jewish people just like complaining. Totally. Um, Any thoughts as to why that might be? I know I'm putting that onto you, but
1: many thoughts I mean I yeah. think that this whole story is one that eludes me as to why it is that M- Moshe is giving different details what happened what happens here than what, what has happened previously um, I think the you know the most basic answer that that I've heard is that he's telling different things to a different generation for different right. purposes
0: Um right. and I, I think that's true always right that's going to be true for all these things any thoughts as to like what what here?
1: Um, I Isn't... do. I do. I think that the only way though to to like even answer this question, or maybe I'm even struggling to answer before I feel like the question has been fully fleshed out. Okay. I think that what bothers me most about this story is not the contradictions or rather the discrepancies or the change in approach that you pointed out, but it's actually what happens right after that. When later, when... You know, in the story, in the original story in Sefer Bamidbar and Parshat Shlach of, of the spies, what happens? It's not all the spies that fail. It's 10 of them. I'm totally right. hijacking your Torah, Sam. No, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> but it's 10 of the spies. And then what happens? We have this Khalid Ben Yafuna. He stands up and says, no, Alona Allah, we can uh, do this. Right?
0: Right. That whole part is missing.
1: That not only is that missing, but what I think, and that's the first time I read this, I was like, Moshe, what? Right? Mm-hmm. Because over here, Moshe actually seems to take the credit for what Khalid does. In the story of the spies, Moshe doesn't speak up. He falls on his face. Right. Whatever that means falls on his place. It could be he's praying. It could be he realizes he shouldn't say anything. It could be that it is literally a failure in leadership and he doesn't know what to say. But there's a lot of ways to interpret why Moshe didn't speak up. Maybe he wasn't meant to at that time. Maybe it wouldn't have done anything. But either way, in in, in this parsha when Moshe is recounting it, he takes all the credit and says, <laughs> Right in, in verse 29, Hashem right. right. Hashemol. And he goes on for like a bunch of psukim about how you guys weren't listening and Hashem is the one that's going to take care of you and Hashem Hashem is the one that's going to fight for you. And I just, I remember, you know, the first time I read this, just being like, what is going on here? Like, Mm -hmm. it's one thing to say a different story. It's another thing. If you feel like Moshe literally didn't say this in Bamidar. Someone else did, and now he's taking the credit for it.
0: Right, and but, then later he
1: mentions, oh, and yeah. Khalif ben Yafuna, like, he's he gets to go in, you know? But, but I
0: think here the focus is not about what happened, right? Like the focus isn't about what happened. In in Shlach, the focus is about what happened. And so you say, this is what Khalif did, but here that's not the focus, right? I right. think the focus and is I, very I, different.
1: Keep, keep going, Sam. Because oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. here I think the focus is like... You guys messed up. Like take this lesson to heart. When you have a chance to, you know, God's taking you into the land of Israel. Trust him. Go in. Do it. Don't listen to these spies. Don't don't um don't pretend like it was somebody else's fault that the Meraglim went in. Don't pretend like it's somebody else's fault. Uh, you know, don't don't just pretend like other people caused you to do this. It's your fault. Like, and I think, because that's so frequently when things go wrong, people look at external factors as to why things went wrong and don't, like, see how did they react to the situation, right? And I, I think that's so. what Moshe is saying. The way you reacted to me, the way you reacted to Khalid is the problem. And it, I'm not talking about what actually happened. That almost doesn't matter. But learn this lesson, like, react better when things are hard. Because things are going to be hard. When you go in with Yoshua you're going to lose and they do with i and they actually do kind of better then um and they react better like they don't even right. complain to you as sure really all that much um but like they they learn i i think they learned this lesson of Moshe in saying like no our job is just to react well and i think that's an important thing um like obviously people have really hard situations and i don't want to minimize people's hard situations But so frequently, like our happiness is really dependent on how we react to those situations, Um, especially when things are not so bad. (laughs) Um, When things truly are bad, I I get it on some level, but like so much of life is reacting. Um, And Bnei Israel just failed that test in Shlach. And that's what Moshe is trying to focus on here, I think. And so it's not relevant uh, to your level, to your point. It's not really relevant whether or not it was exactly,
1: or who it was. (laughs) Right. And what you're saying, it's Moshe didn't want to create this. He said, she said, right? Well, there weren't many she's in the story, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) right. It wasn't about what Kali said or this, and for them to start thinking about, well, my father was a spy and this and that. He's, I think he's, it's, and it's certainly, of course, to put it out there, Moshe, as we know, is the most humble man on the face of the earth. Um, This was not coming from a place of arrogance. It was right. coming from a place of mission, and he he just wanted you know. Right now, the Jewish people are standing in Kadesh Bar- in Kadesh Barnea, in the exact place where they were 39 years ago when the sin of the spies happened, and you can only imagine how emotional that is for Moshe. How how much he wants to impart the way that he's feeling to these people who. Their parents were. It was their parents' generation, not their generation. They were. They were very young. They ha- only have vague memories of what happened. And he's saying to them, "Do not make that same mistake. Trust exactly. in God. Re- right. Realize the larger picture here. Realize what this transformation of forty years in the desert was meant to teach us. and And let's make let's make sure that we do it right. Um, I, I would also add that perhaps another answer as to what's happening here and why so many of these stories, Moshe seems to take credit for things that. Other other people have done. Like he takes credit mm. for changing the judicial system, when really right. we know that was Yitro. Um, Yitro. Yeah. And I think, and then of course with Kali Avni Shu, I think it was another prime example. I-, I wonder if part of it has to do with the idea that he's when he's this is this is a tool, right? He's one of uh, he's he, this is an educational tool. Speaking in a personal way. Saying, you know, Hashem got upset at me, right? And let me tell you this from my perspective: right. if when, whenever people speak personally, it's it's that much more powerful, right? right. That's a story that people are going to listen to, not another history lesson that the Jewish people have been hearing for forty years. To actually hear from Moshe Rabbeinu why he thinks what had happened had happened and what they can do to change, I imagine for these people, they see that this leader is dying; they're they're hanging on to every word.
0: Beautiful. Um... I think that's a great place to end. Thank you so much for coming again. Um, for people listening, uh, continue subscribe, rate, like on any um, podcast app that you have, or you can find it on Anchor. Uh, and pay attention for next episodes of In the um uh, coming next week. Thanks, Margo. Oh,
1: thanks for having me. <laughs>